Welcome to In-House Legal Uncovered, a major Lindsay and Africa podcast exploring what it takes to make it in-house. Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Sachs. I'm a partner with Major Lindsay in Africa. I live in Chicago, and I'm a senior recruiter in our in-house counsel recruiting group. My practice is mostly helping to conduct general counsel searches and other senior-level in-house searches for all types of companies, Fortune 500, medium-sized, family-owned, partnership, startup, whatever. Welcome to the inaugural episode of In-House Legal Uncovered. I'm really excited to launch this podcast and to develop an audience who wants to listen to it. As you will see in just a few minutes, the theme of this podcast is really going to be candid conversations with leading individuals in the in-house legal counsel industry. Whether those people are general counsels like our first guest today, or other senior lawyers, or CHROs who so frequently partner with the GC and are also responsible for the hiring of a general counsel. And, And we may even have one or two of my colleagues from MLA to join me and talk about their experiences. Okay, so with that out of the way, I'm very excited to introduce our first guest today. So if this podcast goes 15 years and I'm as popular as David Letterman, my first my first guest can be my Bill Murray. Uh, I don't know anybody under the age of 40 knows that joke. Um, but our first guest is Afana Rain. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really flattered and honored to to be the guest on the inaugural episode of what I'm sure is going to be a, a long, successful run for you on the order of a, a Letterman and a, a Leno, Johnny Carson, maybe. I, I, will, I will be happy with nothing less than that. Um, I have high expectations. But uh, Afan is a partner in the general counsel at uh, Kearney. Kearney is a leading global management consulting firm with its headquarters uh, here in downtown Chicago. It has more than 5,000 employees working in more than 40 countries. Uh, Kearney works with more than three quarters of the Fortune Global 500, as well as with the most influential government and nonprofit organizations. By way of background, Afan is a native of the Chicago area. He attended Northwestern for college and subsequently moved south for law school to the University of Chicago. Following his academic days, Afan joined the law firm of Sidley and Austin from 2001 to 2006 as an associate. That year, Afan joined Kearney, back then called A.T. Kearney, uh, as an associate general counsel. Uh, He has been with Kearney ever since. He was in that AGC role for 12 years and even served as the acting general counsel for about six months. In 2018, Afan was named the general counsel of the organization, and he has continued to serve in that role. Um, I hope I got that right. That sounds right. Good research. <laughs> that sounds exactly. LinkedIn <laughs> is amazing. Um, so we're going to go over a few questions, but really the topic for today is leadership. And I really couldn't think of anybody better to talk about it with than, than Nafan, uh, who I've known for many years. But let's start with kind of a super easy one. Um, I told the audience who you are, what your title is, where you work, but uh, kind of how did you get into this position? Where did you come from and how did you get here? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, as you mentioned, my um, uh, stop prior to Kearney was with Sidley here in Chicago. And while at Sidley, I was a member of the corporate transactional group, which is um, focused on mergers and acquisitions uh, and securities work, um, but includes governance, joint ventures, uh, and sort of the full spectrum of, of corporate. Um, I, I loved the M&A uh, environment. I loved working on 
uh, M&A transactions. Um, I found it uh, exciting. The pace was always fast. Uh, there was always something new to learn. So I loved being in that deal flow. Um, I think I also have a short attention span, just I'm constituted that way. And um, when you, you have an average lifespan of a deal of three months, maybe maybe a little longer, maybe a little shorter, uh, it, it's nice to just sort of have a continuous refresh. But on the downside, you know, when you, you do go from project to project in that way, um, as stimulating as it is, um, at times, it can also leave you feeling um, somewhat like a rented brain at, at, at other times. Yeah. And, um, you know, over time, over years, uh, I found that I was asking myself, you know, what am I adding to the world here? Now, I think many people are able to answer that question in a highly satisfactory way for themselves at law firms and respect to that uh, if, if you're able to do that. I wasn't myself. I found that I was more interested in being a part of building something um, as a part of a team. And so um, when I got a call from a recruiter um, about the Carney opportunity, it was um, it was unique in that it was a ground floor opportunity with an 80-year-old firm at that time. I was the, the second of two lawyers with Carney uh, at the time when I joined. And um, from there, the, the team has grown um, over the 16 or so years that I've been here. Um, and um, as it so happened, uh, I've ended up as, uh, as the general counsel. Yeah. That's that's great. I mean, um, and we should discuss how you and I uh, know each other a little bit. I actually think I don't know if you remember, but I met you at a uh, I think it was a mixer, an event. And I think you had just finished your stint as the acting general counsel um, way back in the day. And so you and I just kind of hit it off and started talking like sports and other topics as well. Um, and so we've kind of known each other for the last decade, you know, and try to have lunch, you know, once or twice a year and you've been a client and we've worked with together on a, on a variety of different things. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, major Lindsay and you in particular have been an instrumental part of that growth that I, that I described within the legal team. I think it's been at least a half dozen or dozen searches that you've advised us on. And, um, uh, we've, uh, we've appreciated that. Yeah. So let's uh, again, we're the topic for today is leadership. And so let's just kind of start broadly and get more specific. So you're the leader of the Kearney uh, legal department. What do you see as your responsibilities for the organization? What do you think the senior business leaders at Kearney think the legal department does? Well, it starts with um, what the business of the firm is. And um, we we call ourselves the trusted advisors to our clients on the issues that are of utmost importance to them and their businesses. Within the legal team, I like to think of us as the trusted advisors to the trusted advisors. And what that really means is, of course, trust is something that's earned. And for us, I think what really allows us to earn that trust is providing 
objective, impartial, firm first judgment on critical matters uh, to to the firm. Um, and that's a unique position that I think um, the general counsel and, and his or her team have in many companies, but certainly in ours. Um, we, we're navigating, I would say, an unprecedented time of geopolitical, socioeconomic, technological change. We're seeing yeah. trends now uh, that have not been dealt with before, like AI, uh, climate change uh, at the uh, magnitude that it's happening at now increased regulation, this pendulum between globalization and deglobalization, and so on. And these sorts of trends give rise to uh, to shocks to the system, shocks to the business. Um, in order for us to, to, to deal with that, um, you know, the legal team has a crucial role to play. Now, as consultants, we're a consulting firm, yeah. Um, you know, we like we like that it actually creates opportunities for our clients and their businesses. And so we help them identify and seize the advantages uh, that they can gain in their businesses by getting through that kind of change the right way. Um, but for our company, you know, it can create trouble. And I think, you know, you asked how do the senior business leads think about us? I think one way that they think about us is as not just the legal department, but as the trouble department. <laughs> In other words, you know, they're not looking for legal solutions to problems. They're not looking for a contract that'll get them out of trouble or an insurance provision that'll get them out of trouble. They're looking for any way to navigate through trouble. And it, it's not just trouble. I think that there's positive stuff too. There's complicated transactions that represent um, real uh, step changes in, in the business. And they look to us to advise them on things like that as well. So, uh, you know, the way, if I boil it down, what I do, I think, is really leading a team that um, that does a handful of things. Um, one is the meat and potatoes of the commercial work of the firm. So the commercial agreements, that's the lifeblood of, of the company. And I, I'm proud of the fact that our team is connected to it through every contract negotiation. Um, so that's first. I always put the commercial work first. The second is governance. So advising our, our board of directors and our management on how decisions should be getting made. And then there's kind of the sexier stuff like mergers and acquisitions and disputes and, and, and that sort of thing. And then there's a bucket on compliance, um, which includes our code of conduct and uh, investigations, policies, data privacy, all that. And then just a sort of a catch-all broader enterprise risk management category, which would include things like um, a new ethical framework that we've developed to consider our um, uh, the kinds of client engagements that we will and won't take. 
um, our insurance program, our physical security program, and yeah. so on. Yeah, I mean, so so that's that's great in terms of the background. So let me ask a question I've always kind of wondered too, which is maybe it's a silly question, but you know, in my practice, I'm always talking about people who lead teams, and then sometimes I'm talking about people who manage teams. And sometimes as I'm writing those down, I'm wondering, are these words interchangeable or do they mean different things? So I'm curious. I mean, do you think of yourself more as a manager? Do you think of yourself as a leader? Um, I'm guessing the answer might be a combination of both. How do you kind of think through that? Yeah. Well, to be honest, I really try not to spend too much time thinking about myself at all. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think of myself <laughs> just as a fun. I don't try to um, call myself a leader. I don't call myself a manager. Um, you know, I never sort of assume the stance of a boss over employees. I think of myself as a partner to my team members. Um, and I work with them as peers. I don't work with them as sort of a dictator from above. Um, certainly, I do have management responsibilities um, for the firm and for my team, uh, and um, and that's important. But leadership is leadership is different than management. Leadership is something that is earned. Um, I don't think it's a title, even though some people have it as a title, lead of this or lead of that. Um, you have to have people that want to follow you to be a leader. Genuine leadership comes from genuine followership. Uh, and so um, if I have that, it's um, it's good fortune. Um, in, in terms of some of the, you know, stereotypical leadership traits, I think I've, I'm, I'm lucky. I've just, I've always been vocal, talkative, um, opinionated, very comfortable on stage, um, but also a good listener. And these are traits that I think conventionally do lend themselves well to leadership. Yeah, I think that's it's, it's your point about having followers. I had a, a, a boss at one point in my career who was uh, amazing and, and a great boss. But like everything over time, you know, things change. And at some point uh, he left. Um, basically under the theory that he had no followers left at a certain point that he was everybody had just kind of moved on to different places in terms of what they were looking for and when he looked behind him and saw nobody wanted to run up that hill with him maybe it was time to do something else at the end of the day so that's a that's a great point to make so you mentioned a little bit of the philosophy you know and you said you try not to think about yourself which is great advice for anybody do you when you do think about leadership and i know it's something you think about um do you have a philosophy, you know, beyond what you already said? Is there something that kind of guides you, you know, when you're when you're having those meetings, either as the entire team or one on ones? What's the uh, what's the guiding light? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that to be effective as a manager uh, or as a leader, uh, to, to be able to have followers in the first place, I think you have to start with knowing yourself. I think that there's self-examination required. You have to be able to answer the big questions of why am I here? If not on this planet, why am I here at this company? Why am I here in this career? Uh, um, you know, what is my purpose? What, what, what am I doing here in the first place? And do I believe in it? Um, you have to satisfy yourself 
on on those answers in order to um, to, to to be able to act with purpose and conviction in 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 your work. And then I think you take that same approach and try to know your team in the same way. You, you have to recognize that everyone has their own answers to these questions. Uh, and they might not be the same answers as as yours. Uh, and that's okay. Um, but I do in every interview that I conduct with new team members, I ask them about their deep and intrinsic motivations. And it, it, it's interesting, Mike, because I find people do not really initially want to answer that question mm. um, because it's not a typical question. I think people tend to go into, when, when I ask that, people tend to go into why I became a lawyer, right? right? How I decided, sort of the, the steps of how I decided to be a lawyer or why I like intellectual property law or something like that. And that's not really what I'm getting at. I'm getting at why do you bother getting out of bed every morning to do this? And I want people to really be able to answer that question so I can understand how they would fit into this team. And so, you know, as I said, they're going to have their own answer. Everyone is unique. Um, but, I, you know, I think that the next step is then, you know, recognizing that everyone has their positive and their negative. Um, you know, we often want everyone to be like us, and we just think of ourselves as wholly positive, so everyone else should just be like <laughs> us. But, you know, we're not either. You know, we're not perfect people. So, you know, or you could say, if not negatives, there are certain things that aren't going to come as easily to people. Opportunities, opportunities for growth? <laughs> opportunities for growth or just, you know, right-handed, left-handed yeah. You know, you've got a stronger hand on some things and other things you're going to be able to you're going to be able to throw the ball lefty, but it won't be as strong. Uh, and so um, leadership to me is about helping people understand who they are, embrace who they are, um, identify their strengths, magnify them, identify their areas where they're struggling and then struggle with them. Yeah. You know, get in the trenches with them and struggle with them hmm. to improve and grow together. Yeah. When you were talking about what gets them out of bed in the morning, I was thinking like sort of people who are mission driven. And in some ways, you know, I think almost everybody is mission driven. That mission might be the company. It might also be, you know, to support their family or to, you know, whatever it is. And it seems like what you're saying is you want to kind of identify what that mission is and then help them, you know, kind of help them accomplish it at the end of the day. If That's right. That's um, right. And so do you think about, I mean, again, I know you've thought about these things. Did it, um, you know, when you're a college student or a law student or even a, a law firm associate, you know, I don't know that these kind of things are top of mind, but maybe they are for you. I'm just kind of curious how you uh, how you came at this. Is this all like a, a carny thing? Is it all like the last four years? Is it uh, has it been going for a while? Just kind of curious yeah. how you came to some of these thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to sound fatalistic, but I think that some of... Go ahead. Go, 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 go <laughs> ahead. But I will anyway. <laughs> exactly. We all want to hear this. <laughs> you know, some of these stereotypical leadership traits that I was talking about, um, 
being vocal, being comfortable in the spotlight, uh, and so on. I think that some of these things, they they come to you very early on, whether it's nature or nurture, I'm not sure, but they come to you very early on when you're pretty young in school. Uh, and in fact, um, my my youngest child's, uh, uh, one of his grade school teachers told me that, you know, I see these kids now when they're, you know, first graders, and then I see them when they graduate high school because it's all the way through. And um, he said, they're the same people. You know, they're the same people. And so I do think some of these traits and tendencies that you have, you know, it's just, it, it, that's just who you are. I think in my case, um, my initials are AA. Yeah. <laughs> and I may be over attributing to this, but I think that going first in school because mm. of alphabetical order really had a profound impact on my life. Wow. I never know that before. That's really, I, I truly have never even thought about that. And I'm thinking that I know somebody whose initials are ZZ and I'm worried about that person. I feel like I should call them. <laughs> well, out, they do but... reverse, they do reverse oh, alpha in some cases too, right? So you're, saying the person out, who's, so. so you're saying the person who's MM is probably the worst. No, I'm just kidding. M-M. Um, but you think, so you think that just because even since school, that going AA just kind of has impacted you. That's really fascinating. Well, yeah, I actually, um, my wife and I had a discussion about this around the time that our firstborn, he's now in college, but uh, when when she was expecting uh, our, our first child and his initials are also AA. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I... I... I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure if I looked it up, I'm sure there's articles about. It. I just haven't thought about that. So that's uh, maybe, that's great. maybe that's great. That's that's great to know. That's great to know. Um, but, no, I gave it a lot more thought after. You know, obviously my leadership ideas develop. You know, a little bit more after third grade, and I'm giving it probably more thought as a professional at Kearney than I would say when I was, um, you know, at, at Sidley. I think you know, being being a um, a member of a, a large practice area um in in a large law firm you don't really think about leadership early on you know and through your mid mid years um but uh, certainly in house you start to think differently are were there people at uh, at Kearney who were uh, instrumental in helping to kind of mold you i mean you've been with the organization for you know more more than 15 years um anybody who stands out who maybe played an outsized role uh yeah yeah a few people do certainly um you know and I think so much of professional life is about observing and filtering what you see in other people who you respect and admire uh and then borrowing those traits and techniques and putting them into your quiver just making a mental note when you see something that jumps out. So for example, Paul Laticina, um was the CEO at the time that I was hired um, into Kearney. And um, he uh, is really a master diplomat, a master of using language. And, um, you know, really, I think, can inspire people with his language. And I, yeah. I have tried to um, to crib off of Paul's style in that sense uh, at times. Uh, our current managing partner, uh, CEO, Alex Liu, um, who 
is incredibly enthusiastic, uh, also inspirational. Uh, I think I've learned from him that there is a real power that comes from letting people be themselves in the workplace. Um, and um, the um, the performance that comes out of that is um, is, is very strong. But you know, even uh, prior to um, uh, to Carney, there were leaders at Sidley in the in the partners uh, group uh, within the corporate uh, uh, team at uh, at Sidley, like Steve Sutherland and Imad Qasim, who I just found to be incredible mentors and and lawyers. Where really, if I could only have learned everything that I needed to about the law from those two, it would have been enough. <laughs> I mean, that's just how good they they were. And, and as people too, just really wonderful, giving, generous people. That's that's great to know. And I'm sure they appreciate you uh, yeah, paying them the compliment. And it's, we talk at MLA a lot about leaving behind a legacy and like those people, it's like, yeah, it's like they want part of their legacy to be that they pass along these important uh, tips that you passed on, you know, that you used in your role which is great. Um, what is the, what's the toughest part about being um, that the general counsel, let's call it, we won't use leader or manager necessarily. What's the, what's the toughest part or what's the attribute that maybe surprised you that was harder than you thought? Yeah. Well, I am uh, ever an optimist uh, and I, you know, I have a, a bias to be positive, you know, nine times out of 10. And so I um, probably had a tougher time adapting to, um, you know, serious um, underperformance where I see serious underperformance uh, and recognizing that, you know, things aren't improving uh, because I'm always looking at the bright side and trying to accentuate that. Uh, And I think that actually the role demands that you do that, that you really... um, help people grow that positive side of whatever it is that they're doing. And as I was describing before, to to manage some of the difficulties that they're having. I think some of believing in yourself as, as a manager is believing that you can help people get through that. And, um, you know, there are probably times when if I've erred, I've erred on the side of, you know, doing that too much. Um, where there was sort of serious underperformance, but um, but you know I haven't had a lot of that, frankly. Um, yeah. I'm really lucky to be surrounded by, and I always have been surrounded by brilliant uh, people who are team players. It's funny you said uh, at the risk of being a fatalist, and then you said you're always the optimist. It just occurred to me that half of our uh, lunch conversations are you saying the same thing basically I maybe mean, we've had too many lunches but i do feel like you have lines of me before so maybe 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 i've heard that before but you are I, I both of them completely apply to you so i i totally get it um um what about the fact that um you have a global nature to your role uh we didn't break down you know where all your team members are i thought that might have just taken too much time but clearly your your team is international um you know, what's that what's that mean for you um, uh, i'm sure there are obvious challenges that come with that are there you know less obvious challenges that come with something like that like a like a team like that yeah. and i know you're an optimist so you're probably thinking of the opportunities that comes with a global team but so maybe yeah. talk maybe opportunities and challenges yeah yeah 
Well, uh, I think that um, so much of the magic that happens in a team happens in person. And, you know, there's a lot of learning and osmosis that you get by just being in the next office and overhearing something and then having a side conversation about it. Um, or if you have a free five minutes, sit in with someone else in their office on a call and learn about what they're doing. Um, and I love I love that aspect of what we do. Yeah. Um, so not being able to do that with people halfway around the world initially, I think, um, felt like a drawback, felt like, you know, something was being lost. But I think I honestly changed my thinking on that due to COVID, the, okay. due to the COVID uh, environment. And, um, you know, I think that there are ways to replicate that. Um, certainly getting together in person when you can, of course, that's a no-brainer. You you have to do that with a global team. But even absent that, having um, video calls instead of phone calls, um, you know, erring on the side of a live conversation over email, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's something that, you know, generationally there are some different approaches to yeah. that. But I think that if um, if you really know people, then it makes it easier to just get on get on a video call with them, and uh, and and there you do get to um, to to have some of that. And then you can also over invite people to, to to calls. So I don't like to double up on lawyer time on a given matter, but where there's a real learning opportunity, I will invite junior lawyers to sit in. Um, and, and and just take notes or uh, observe or contribute if they if they can um, to to a matter that they might not be the primary handling lawyer on, and we can do that across borders. Yeah, are you able to? I mean, how many times do you if you have a report who's overseas? I mean, how many times a year do you think you're meeting that seeing that person in person? Is it once? Is it twice? Is it zero? And obviously, you're talking about currently not 2020 2021 right right yeah for all of my direct reports i'd like to see them at least once a year in person um due to circumstance i might get to see them more than that Uh, i was in the middle east and i I do have a small team based in the middle east about um six or so uh team members there um so i was there a couple of times in q4 last year yeah. Um, once for a, a large event and once for a board meeting. And um, so I got to see my Middle East colleagues more. We had a global legal team meeting uh, in Istanbul, actually, last year as well. Uh, and um, and that was great to get everyone together. Uh, I do have a team here in Chicago that's uh, about uh, six or seven of us as well. And then others, I kind of catch them where I can. And so, um, and you re- you report to the managing partner, is that right? I do. I yeah. Do. And so you, you know, you, you you have this role, you have this team. When you have challenges or or concerns or issues, do you discuss them with your boss, with a a CHRO type, uh, or are there are there peers or mentors you go to to 
kind of offer guidance on on issues that you, you you're facing and a, a sounding board for you? Uh, yeah, um, it's a really collegial place, and um, uh, I have good relationships with people having been here for 16 years. Uh, people know me, I know them, so there are a lot of different people that I trust uh, and, and that that I can go to. Our CEO loves to talk shop about legal issues. You know, not every CEO likes likes that. <laughs> he he has his limits. I mean, he doesn't want to talk about them all day, but um, you know, if we're talking about a lawsuit, he's got ideas about about the lawsuit. Got his pocket copy of Black's Law Dictionary, and <laughs> no, I think he said that he might have um, at one point had designs on becoming a lawyer. Every, everyone has uh, probably at some point in their life thought sure. about it, but um, yeah. So maybe there's a part of him that uh, that is still trying his hand at that. But um, uh, he's a he's a thoughtful person on legal issues, and and he can be. Um, challenging in a good way uh, and make me think differently. So, uh, so that's good. Um, and then uh, he has um, uh, some other uh, direct reports who are PNL leads. Uh, we call them region chairs. So the head of the Americas region, the head of the Middle East and Africa region, Europe, and uh, and and APAC. Uh, and I'm close with all of them. So. If there's a legal matter that's active in their uh, in their region, um, they're they're great thought partners. Uh, and then you mentioned one or two as well. Our CHRO, uh, who um, I always learn from. You know, he comes from um, a training background. Yes. And um, so he's just a very expansive thinker. Um, Really good sounding board, great listener. Uh, and then our CFO, who is a former consultant uh, uh, in our transportation uh, group, um, who is uh, a, a close uh, colleague as well. Um, so I work with, with all of them. And actually our chief marketing officer as well. She's a great thought partner. She's creative and um, helps me think outside the box. So I have really no shortage of uh, of peers that I can go to. You know, it's, it's funny. I was at a general counsel conference once and a panelist was talking about the challenges of being a general counsel and uh, managing a team. In fact, our topic. And he said, you know, I think when you are in this role, you just have to accept that it's lonely at the top. <laughs> And I just thought to myself, either his company is <laughs> completely unlike mine or he's doing it wrong because it, it's not lonely at the top at all. Uh, you know, I, don't find, I don't find that to be the case. I think it's, you know, there's no shortage of, of, of friendly faces around. Yeah, well, that is a cliche you hear a lot. So he he probably isn't the only person. I I, I hear that in a a pretty frequent number of of interviews, and so it probably speaks really highly of Carney's kind of culture and your you know tenure there that uh, that you're able to have all those people. How do you want to uh, how do you want to grow as a leader, Afan? You know, you doesn't sound like you're going anywhere. You love the organization. You know, how do you want to grow? What's the uh, what's the growth yeah. opportunity for you? What's the growth opportunity for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, I love I love my my role today, 
and you know i um every day there's something new to learn in it and so you know i sort of in 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 keeping with what i was referring to in the in, in the last uh point yeah um i don't have sort of my eyes on a different prize uh i'm 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 content with with this role um having said that you know where this role is going is probably a little bit different than where it's been i think that nature of general counsel positions in general has broadened a lot in in the time that I've been in-house um, from being kind of the master of a technical profession to being a thought partner on strategic uh, risk issues, um, primarily risk, but other strategy issues as well. Um, I am uh, developing uh, my own repertoire in that area, I think, um, day by day. Um, As I mentioned, we have uh, developed a framework for thinking about the ethics that that apply to our decision-making around accepting certain kinds of client engagements, higher risk, client engagements uh, from a reputation standpoint or again from an ethical standpoint Um, that's something that goes beyond just sort of the blocking and tackling of the law Uh, and i'm glad to be entrusted by our board and our leadership team to take the lead on developing that that thought so i'm having a lot of conversations with our partners across the firm today about the way that we ought to think about our work. Um, so that's that's one element. I think that there's a lot more to come there. Another is that consulting is becoming more regulated than it has been. You know, management consulting as a profession is the sort of thing that, you know, it never had a definition, right? I mean, it's anyone could be a management consultant. You could just hang a sign outside of your window today and call yourself a management consulting. But um, We've now seen new pieces of legislation being introduced in both houses of Congress. Uh, we've seen sanctions in the U.S., the U.K., the EU related to Russia that specifically single out management consulting and define management consulting as a legal term. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hasn't happened in the 100-year history of the profession. So where I see it going is that government relations um, and uh, advocacy on that front is likely going to be a part of this role in the immediate or near future. Um, so, um, you know, I welcome that. And it's, it, as, as, um, as I say, that's a growth opportunity. Yeah. So if I'm just to finish things off, what's the, uh, what's the nicest thing anyone has ever, uh, said about you as a, as a leader? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, well, one that comes to mind, um, immediately is, um, after I was named general counsel here, um, I got a lot of really nice heartfelt congratulatory notes and and words from, from people. But one of our board members at the time, who's a partner, in our consumer industries uh, and retail practice uh, based in New York, who was serving on our board of directors at that time, 
when he was chatting with me about it, um, he said almost as just sort of, uh, you know, it wasn't a considered comment from his side, but he said at the tail end of our chat, he said, well, I think it's great and you're going to fit right in. Mm. Now, that little sentence of you're going to fit right in really means a lot, right? And I think that that's what people want to hear whenever they're new in any role, um, that who they are is compatible with where they're going. And um, that is that 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 really rings out to me as one of the nicest things because it's not really just a compliment, but really a word of genuine welcome. And um, and you know that'll always that'll always stay with me. Yeah, that's a great. I I hadn't thought about that line being the compliment that it clearly was to you, but that's uh, it's a great way to end it. Afan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, as always, it's uh, it's great to talk to you. As expected, you had um, terrific insights, and I hope you uh, I hope you had a good time talking about these topics as well. Well, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun, Mike. That will do it for this first episode. We'd love to get your feedback on these podcasts. Feel free to email me at msachs at mlaglobal.com. That's M-S-A-C-H-S at mlaglobal.com. And tell me what you liked and what you didn't like and any suggestions for future topics of episodes. So be on the lookout for new episodes all year as they become available. So long, everyone, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to In-House Legal Uncovered. Join us next time as we dig into another topic that will better help you navigate your in-house legal career.